0: This podcast is open for anybody to listen to but is produced primarily for undergraduate medical students for entertainment and educational purposes only. This podcast is not to be used as professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of a healthcare professional with any questions you may have about your own health. Thank you and enjoy.
1: Hello and welcome back to Defining Schizophrenia. We're very happy to have you with us today as we have the wonderful opportunity to speak to our second guest of the series, who's also going to tell us a bit about her experience of working with schizophrenia. Would you like to introduce yourself?
2: So, um, yes, I'm Mariana de Briscoe. my a is working in um staff team, which is early intervention for the uh, first episode of psychosis. Uh, Hi. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, Fantastic. So just- to begin with um what is your like understanding and like what you um define psychosis as
2: I uh, have actually two uh, two perspectives here. So I suppose my my understanding and uh, uh, the reason I've been uh, drawn to this uh, topic and I'm doing the job I'm doing it is it, more like a philosophical understanding of the psychosis. And uh, from from my perspective, psychosis as uh, a very unusual state of mind. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's a state of altered consciousness. And again, I, I I look at consciousness as um, uh, that sense that we uh, all have, uh, that we we are, or we uh, possess uh, a self that navigates reality. And um, I- in other words, I think in, in a psycho acute psychotic state, uh, people will uh, will lose contact with with reality, and we we sometimes see a disintegration of self and uh, the term actually uh, uh, schizophrenia comes from from greek uh, and it, it means uh yeah, split of the mind or of, of its function there is of course the medical understanding and um, i i, I the, the way we we diagnose psychosis using uh the criteria icd and the dsm criteria of, uh, yeah. of psychosis and from from that point of view uh, it, it, the psychosis is um, a term we, we use actually to, um, um, to, and we have at the core of it actually some psychotic symptoms and it, it's uh, um, uh, characterized by the uh, distortion of thinking and perception with, with some uh, change in the effect. Yeah. And said at the core of it, we have these uh, psychotic symptoms and uh, the most common ones are uh, uh hallucination and uh, and delusions.: yeah. Uh,
1: that's so interesting hearing you sort of speak about the philosophy around schizophrenia because it, it's sort of it's a disease of the mind almost rather than of the brain because we can't see any pathology in there. So it's really interesting to sort of hear you talk about that aspect of it. And given that it's so sort of complicated and unusual, how do you explain it to patients when you first give them a diagnosis? Because it's such a sort of it's such a foreign concept to so many people.
2: And it's not always easy to give a diagnosis yeah mm. I, I don't uh, uh, usually uh, diagnose people uh, because I work in uh, in step team uh, with schizophrenia from the very beginning so we, we use the term like yeah, yeah. And, and we will try actually to to develop a shared understanding of, of their problems yeah, uh, yeah. the first step will be to to listen to what they have to say and to, to uh to hear actually uh and validate the, their experiences to, to some extent um and uh sometimes or most of the time i i invite the families in so we have the families part- Perspective of uh, of the patient's experiences, which at times is quite different from uh, from the patient experience, and, and then eventually uh, I and my my colleagues yeah, from stack team we will come uh, with our perspective and uh, we look at um, at some
0: experiences as,
2: as symptoms, yeah, and then mm. this is what we try actually to to name and to understand. Um, what, what's distressing them and uh, how we can help them using uh, uh, our model and uh, uh, what, what's really helpful actually and we use it quite a lot when we talk about psychosis we use the uh, stress vulnerability model of psychosis um, so yeah. we, uh, at, at them as, as individuals with uh, um, their vulnerability factors yeah, uh, including genetics or um, Family uh, pa- uh, families with, with some other mental health problems, and then some of them will have uh, um, a lot of tra- trauma in, in their early uh, life, and we'll build up from this uh, model uh, on talking about uh, actually um, the, the life stressors uh, and we, we talk about, we have quite a visual way of talking uh, about this. We, we talk about the uh, bucket stress. So what, what's going, what's happening to them um, it, it, more recently? Uh, and they, they, there are usually many, many acute stresses, life events, um, um, drugs, mm, being part of the yeah. picture. Um, yeah, relationship breakdown. So it's, it's trying to understand and trying to help them actually make sense of, of their experiences and uh, develop a different perspective of, of, of their understanding. Yeah, wow.
0: So when you usually um, like first encounter, because obviously with your work, you often see the first episode of psychosis, what is like a typical first presentation and like are there any warning signs or anything before the first presentation? Uh,
2: I, I It's very difficult for me to talk about the typical uh, uh, first mm. yeah. uh, presentation because I uh, I see as many first presentation as patients, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, at least from um, uh, a narrative way uh, because of course if we look at the form of the psychosis then we can talk I suppose about the typical presentation where we have this, uh, uh, positive symptoms. We talked about, uh, hallucination or uh, delusions. We, we sometimes have, uh, um, uh, what we call uh, a thought disorder or, uh, a, 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 a very odd and eccentric behavior or unusual uh, yeah. usual behavior. Uh, and, um, Many patients with, with uh, new or first episodes, they uh, they will have uh, what we call a delusional mood. Uh, something is not quite right. Something will happen and, and they know something. They, they are very uh, uh, fixated as on, on what's going to happen. Uh, or delusional memories as well. It's quite, uh, yeah, it, it's it's one of the first symptoms. They do remember things from the past, but they don't seem to, to uh, conform with, which the reality presented by my families, um, But as I said, in terms of content and uh, their experiences and uh, their thoughts and their views of, uh, um, of the world generally, uh, we, we have, there is no such a thing as a typical first presentation, yeah. uh, from, from my perspective at least. Uh, uh, and in terms of uh, warning signs yeah, um i think that that is a really good question uh we, in literature we uh, we learn about the uh, prodromal phase so before we have a blown episode of psychosis yeah um some patients will uh, will have a uh, decline in um, the functioning level uh, educational level uh, uh they they will have some some eccentric ideas yeah which are not necessarily uh, culturally inappropriate but th- they are slightly different and they start speaking a bit uh, uh, differently but it's not something that actually they observe it it's usually comes mm-hmm. from the family from the mm-hmm. chairs or from uh, people friends people who are very close to, to our patients um, and it's not until actually they have the the psychotic episode we uh, we we can look back and try and understand the warning signs and it, this is part of our work actually to to develop um, a love signature we call so to, to look at what happened before they became unwell and mm-hmm. this by these experiences and sometimes yeah and again this is uh um, um, a very unique for uh, or unique for, for for our patients, yeah. Uh, but sometimes, it, or most of the times, are are really very common symptoms like uh, um, sleep depri- 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 deprivation or uh, any. Any changes in the sleep pattern. This is this is something I, I suppose we all need to to uh, ask and to be uh, aware of uh, because it's not a specific symptom, but it's it's many patients will will talk about this as as being maybe the first uh, thing they notice in um, in their presentation, and then. Anxiety states are are very common. They they are very you know, they are worried about many things, or maybe it's one thing that comes again and again, and they ruminate a lot. Uh, and it's that dysphoria. Uh, I talked about the um, things are not quite right, but they can't really name or say what it is. Yeah, um, and uh, yes, the, this are no specific symptoms, but when you, when you put them together, then you, you can, you can have a sense of, of, of narrative and the patients will make use of them. And I think this is, you know, the beauty of, of working in, uh, in step team That uh, patients will, will come to you and will say, you know, I've, I've noticed this happening to me and this happened last time. So uh, can we do something about it? Can we, mm-hmm. focus? yeah, um, yeah, I can. What can we do to, to prevent a relapse? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's, it's nice that you get to sort of enable patients to take a bit of control as well. Like they, they come in with their own problems and they sort of want to solve them together. Um, so that in mind, what role do you think patients with schizophrenia should have in sort of determining how far they want to get their own sort of goals in terms of their treatment?
2: yeah so i i will talk about my patients who are not uh, necessarily diagnosed with schizophrenia yeah <laughs> uh, that might <why> come <laughs> later yeah know? um so i i think um, i think it's it's very important actually to um to work with patients and uh, to do things with them rather than uh, do things to them. Uh, and, and I'm a um, strong uh, advocate and a believer, actually, in, uh, in the partnership between between the medical team uh, and uh, patients and their families. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like in uh, any other uh, uh, health uh, disorders, I'd say. When you go to hospital and uh, um, you you are given a diagnosis uh you are given options self-treatment and uh, you make choices and uh and it's the same or it should be the same in mental health uh with, with patients with psychosis because because when um this is what we want we, we want a trust to build a trust we want to build a relationship and actually we want to empower them to make decisions for for themselves
0: mm-hmm. and it's, it's
2: by presenting the options and uh, uh, talking to them and giving enough information, actually they, they can make informed decisions for themselves. And th- that's a lot we can offer uh, in staff team. So the focus is not uh, necessary on medication and definitely medication is important in, in uh, um, uh acute forms of, uh, of psychosis and it's part of the treatment but uh, as i explained to my patient it's they won't change the way they see the world or they they mm-hmm. want the content of the, the thoughts they might not um, uh, or they might need to live with, with these experiences for the rest of their lives yeah so yeah. Uh, it, it's much more we can do to help them um we, we have a lot of um, um Psychological uh, treatment and uh, options. Yeah, uh, we can involve families. Yeah, we uh, we can look at at many things. Social groups are very very important, and it will this will be part of the treatment. And, and patients, I think this is this is what what they really want. Sometimes they want to discuss with with uh, other people who have had the same experiences and. Uh, um, they want to do things. So we have an art group uh, if, if they want to express themselves through art or we have gardening groups. Yeah. Uh, It's giving options and then helping them to, to make choices. But I must say that it's not always possible or not from the very beginning to, to involve them in, um, in treatment as much as we we want to. Um, Yeah. there, There are patients who, um, needs maybe to be in hospital or uh, um, they, uh, they, they they need to get to that point where or to help them get to that point where they can make decision and they can be involved in their treatment plans.
0: Yeah we'll talk a bit more about that in the next episode okay. when we talk a bit more about the specifics of um, family therapy. Um, when you were talking about the definition of schizophrenia you mentioned the DSM and ICD criteria, which we've had a little bit of a discussion about previously, and we've had a look at um, online, but we just wondered how often you stick to the DSM-ICD criteria and how much of it is clinical judgment after all of your experience um, over years?
2: Um, I suppose I, I can't give you a percentage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I. I my view is that we we definitely need to or i use both of them so i use icd criteria to inform my uh diagnosis and my uh, uh clinical uh in a way judgment so unless i i know the criteria i can't really give a diagnosis mm-hmm. however uh i think clinical uh, judgment it, it's it's very important that I, I, I can't give a diagnosis without uh, uh without uh, having a, a, a view or using my my own judgment and then, as you know um we, we like actually to compare mental health disorder with physical uh, health problems mm-hmm. and, and Physical health problems, we have diagnosis yeah, tests and uh, in, in diabetes, we take we blood and we can see, oh, this is what, what, what it is. While uh, I, in mental health disorder and in psychosis and in, in uh, um, with schizophrenia patients, we can't really, we don't have a diagnosis test. So uh, it, it's, it's our clinical judgment and that's why I suppose uh, patients go on the ward, they get a diagnosis, and then they come to discuss with me afterwards. Is this really schizophrenia? Well, what, what, did, what does this mean for for me? What, what does uh, does this explain my symptoms? But what, what's more about this? So um, it, it's it, we use our judgment in everything, and definitely when we give a diagnosis. Yeah, because in, in first episode of psychosis, there is a lot of diagnosis uncertainty and overshadowing. Um, and I can give you some some examples yeah we, we have many yeah people with with different personality disorders yeah mm-hmm. um, paranoid personality disorder schizotypal uh, um, we have borderline personality disorder if there is um, an acute stress or a change in their um, life uh, uh, many of them actually will uh, will go over the edge and will will develop psychotic symptoms yeah but this doesn't mean that they have schizophrenia but, mm-hmm. uh they might have had a psychotic uh, episode but we need to actually to put it into a larger um, perspective i would say mm-hmm. uh we have post-traumatic stress disorder, um, complex post-traumatic stress disorder with with psychotic symptoms, anxiety states, yeah, when panic attacks, yeah. Um, even uh, people with, with no mental health problems, they will have a very acute uh, um, or, or a life event, and will will uh, uh, react to the stress they have, and they, they can uh, come with with psychotic pa- uh, uh, symptoms. Mm-hmm. So I suppose. It's, it's this is where we need to to choose the um, the clinical judgment yeah. uh, it's it's yes yeah, psychosis is a very a very broad term, mm-hmm. and not everyone with psychotic symptoms has a psychotic illness mm-hmm.
1: yeah i suppose I mean, the checklists are obviously fantastic and very helpful, but no amount mm. of checklists will ever replace a blood test. Mm. <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll never get the sort of rock hard information mm. um, that, you know, we're used to in lots of other aspects of health. Yeah. Um, moving into sort of patient experience a bit more, um, that, you know, psychosis is presented in... A certain way, more often than not, in the media. Um, and to what extent do you think that stigma and representation of psychosis impacts the way that patients um, sort of are able to live with their psychotic symptoms?
2: Yeah, that, that's a very good question and a difficult one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's with two edges in a way because the, the result of um, um, I suppose a lot of um, talk about uh, about mental health disorders in media, and this has opened some some new and good conversation about mental health. Uh, uh, and I definitely encourage this this conversation and the dialogue. Uh, uh, but I also talk with my patients about the stigma, and uh, uh, as much as I like to say that uh, there is no stigma attached to to uh, um, schizophrenia or to psychosis, I I I, I really can't. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is because I think in the media they talk mostly about anxiety, about mood uh, uh, disorders, about of course suicide, and I think this is really really important. But uh, I think there is um, not as they they don't really talk about about psychotic states. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there is still a, a misinterpretation that psychotic patients are uh, um, very dangerous. Yeah, they can't go back to work, uh, <coughs> uh, can't have families. Yeah, can't get married and uh, they, they, mm-hmm. pass the illness on uh, uh, their offsprings And um, this is what I hear from um, from my patients when when they get a diagnosis. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and sometimes the diagnosis could be quite stigmatizing for them at least uh, diagnosis of schizophrenia, yeah. uh, because they, they they sometimes after years they, they will take the identity of of of, of the diagnosis so they, they will limit actually the diagnosis can limit their life uh, and they won't try uh, to achieve their goals or their dreams because Because what's the point if if they have this and they need to live with this for the rest of their lives? Um, So there is is still stigma, I think, attached to to the diagnosis and to to mental health or serious mental health disorders and psychosis. Um, And I think I will encourage uh, a a dialogue about these serious mental health disorders, which uh, which is not there, actually, in mm-hmm. the meat, mm-hmm. uh, And coming back, they, they are as human as, as we all are. Uh, we, they have their dreams, and they can achieve, actually, what, what, what they want to achieve. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the diagnosis, as I said, becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, and they won't try to.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's not always the most helpful thing to be, to be taken in. Um, and just I was wondering, obviously you've worked with patients with psychosis for quite a long time and so you'll be the ideal person to ask, but um what are like the main challenges that um clinicians might face when dealing with patients with schizophrenia and psychosis? And how do you personally like deal with these and cope with these? I touch I
2: think on one of, of the challenges, yeah. Mm a bit earlier, uh, when, uh, when we discuss about, um, empowering patient to take decision and, uh, um, and as I said, it's not always actually possible. And, I, and this is what I find challenging that as much as you uh, sometimes try and you work very hard or, uh, and, um, uh, involving the patient in all the, the decision making is it, not always possible because we need to listen to to the family and uh, their worries, yeah, and, and then we need of course to to uh, assess the, the risk and the, the risk they pose to themselves and to, to others. We need to uh, look at the support or lack of the support they have in the community. Uh, and sometimes we need to, to take actions and to make decisions against their wishes, yeah. Uh, and I'm talking about maybe admitting them to hospital, um, mm-hmm. assess and treat them when um, uh, I know they don't want uh, or they stop the medication. Uh, and they, they, they are so against uh, restarting because of the uh, side effects of antipsychotic medication. Uh, and it, that's difficult. That's difficult uh, uh, when you don't have a relationship by this first episode. Then, um, then I suppose it, it's sometimes it's easier to make a decision and then um, uh, repair the relationship afterwards. Yeah, they, uh, insight into their mental health problems. Uh, but when you you have worked uh, with the patient for a number of years, we see we see patients in staff team for, uh, for three years. Uh, and sometimes yeah, um, they have a relapse yeah, at the end actually of, of, of those three years or uh, mm. after, yeah, after a quite a long period uh, and uh, and that's difficult when when yes you you, you need to impose in a way your view and uh, um, yes, your understanding on um, on them. But as I said, that there is a beauty actually in uh, uh repairing this relationship and in, in uh learning something from, from a relapse. And uh um, yeah, the, the journey will will actually will um, go and we, we can still work together even if uh, if I for example I, I was part of the mental health act assessment and uh, um our recommendation uh, was to, to admit patients uh, uh, under a section of mental health. Mm-hmm. This is one, I think, and possibly the, the most uh, most difficult challenge I, I have um, because, yeah, the, the, the patients, they, they do have relapses and they need to, to come from time to time to hospital. Um, another thing will be, I, I think, meeting the, the family's expectation. This mm-hmm. is... This is it's not always easy because yeah yeah they 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 sometimes want their loved ones actually to have a medication and uh, or, uh, be back to normal uh, they don't mm-hmm. willing to look at uh, the family context and uh, uh, something we we know impacts on on the patient is this high express emotions yeah when this is in a relationship with the family um so yeah yeah meeting family's expectation i think this is this is this is yeah quite challenging at mm. times. Um, um, another thing uh, with some of the patients uh, is is engagement um, sometimes because of the stigma because they don't think they have a mental health problem uh, um, they don't they don't want to work with us and um, again, despite our hard work to to work and to support them in the community sometimes we we support people with uh, with houses or uh, with going back to their jobs but they they just don't want any help and uh, that that's difficult um if, if they refuse our help so yeah
1: yeah it certainly feels like there's a lot more sort of ethical quandaries involved in the psychiatry and in sort of psychosis in particular than mm. uh, almost any other medical specialty so it's mm. really fascinating to hear that those are sort of mm-hmm. almost the main problems that you face um, mm. which you wouldn't certainly wouldn't expect if you were dealing with someone with a broken arm or something thank you very much for joining us on this episode of defining schizophrenia we apologize for the drop in sound quality for this episode and the next We have had to record directly through Zoom instead of using our usual setup. Special thanks to Ariadna, who was a pleasure to interview, and to you for sticking with us through five episodes. We look forward to speaking to you in episode six, the grand finale. Bye for now.